In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Christ is in our midst. If you listen to the Lord of Spirits podcast, you know that Father Stephen DeYoung has this saying. It goes like, um, like this. He says, people get excited when I talk about giants. And um, I think the same is true when we talk about dragons. People get excited when we talk about dragons. And so today I want to talk about dragons. And everyone's thinking, what in the world? Where is this going? But we're going to talk about dragons because we're going to talk about the heart. We're going to talk about the heart. See, the dragons are just a hook to get you to pay attention. But St. Macarius, one of the great desert ascetics in the church, he said, the heart itself is but a small vessel, yet dragons are there. And there are also lions, and there are poisonous beasts, and all the treasures of evil. But there too is God, the angels, the life and the kingdom, the light and the apostles, the heavenly cities and the treasuries of grace, all things are there. So the heart is a small vessel and yet there are dragons, lions, poisonous beasts and all treasures of evil and yet God is there, life, the kingdom, heavenly cities. And the treasuries of grace are all there in the heart. So, the heart, the heart is the, the center of the human being. The heart is the meeting place between God and man. And... Oftentimes, we overlook the attention that needs to go to the heart. We give a lot of attention to the body. We will we'll diet, we'll exercise, we will go to the doctor when something hurts. We'll give all sorts of attention to our body so we can live as long as possible. We focus on tangible needs and not inappropriately, okay? I'm not saying there's something wrong with that per se, but we don't, we often do not give nearly as much attention to the heart as we do to the body. We pursue comfort for the body much more than we pursue grace for the soul. And today, the church sets before us on the fifth Sunday of Lent. We are five-sevenths of the way to Pascha. Two more weeks to go, one more week of Lent, and one beautiful ten-day stretch of Lazarus Saturday, Palm Sunday, and Holy Week. We are almost to Pascha, but today the church puts before us a very challenging saint. And St. Mary of Egypt, her story is one that is often hard to relate to. And I heard from three different people this week who were having trouble understanding why she's put here. 
Three different people having trouble relating. Three different people having trouble receiving any sort of consolation from this story. St. Mary, of course, lived a life of deep, dark debauchery from ages 12 to, 19, or 12 to 31 for 19 years. And then she encountered the Lord, she encountered the Theotokos, she venerated the cross of Christ in Jerusalem, and she made a vow. She made a vow to the Theotokos. If you let me into that church to venerate that cross, I will do what you ask. She made a vow. And after she kissed that cross, she heard a, a voice, the voice of the Theotokos say, if you cross the Jordan, you will find rest. And there she battled the dragons in her heart for the next 47 years. Many of us have a hard time relating to St. Mary of Egypt for two reasons. Number one, most of us don't act in the way that she acted. And number two, most of us don't repent in the way that she repented. Now, St. Mary's mode of repentance is more of an exception in the church than the rule, right? We are not all called to go out to the desert. If you're sitting in this room, there's a good chance you've been called to work out your salvation in the midst of a community, right? In a family, in a church, in a job, right? In a city. So we don't go making the rules based on the exceptions, but St. Mary gives us a very beautiful example of what it means to make a vow and keep it. What it means to repent and pursue God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. She also gives us a reminder of how forgiving God is. Just as we heard before Lent started with the parable of the prodigal son. You can argue that Mary was the prodigal son, so to speak. She was living the same kind of life, and yet God forgives. It's always important to remember that there's no sin that God cannot forgive. But God asks for our repentance. And we can't just say, I'm sorry that I sinned, please forgive me, and don't hold this against me for all eternity, and then run back to the same sin and not even try to give it up. St. Ephraim the Syrian in the spiritual Psalter, number 40, he says, How dare I ask for forgiveness of my former sins when I do not attempt to abandon my former love of sin? In other words, you can't have it both ways. Now, God is very understanding. People come to confession, they repent, they ask forgiveness, and then they come to confession again, and they repent and ask forgiveness of the same things. Right? And some people get very frustrated. Boy, it's the same thing every time. Okay, that's okay. As long as you're trying to give up the sin, as long as you want to give up the sin, as long as you keep turning to God, He knows that it's a long battle. 
it's a long it's a long journey home so to speak but but we can't just say well I don't want to be held responsible for my sin but I really don't want to give it up that doesn't that doesn't work so you can't say you can't ask God to protect you from the dragon and then ask for a dragon for a pet. Okay? Something's got to give. So, what we're doing in the spiritual life is embodied and exemplified by St. Mary of Egypt. What we are trying to do is go into the desert of our heart and there fight the dragons. There wrestle with the lions. There tame the poisonous beasts. And there drive out all the treasures of evil. We are trying to take back and reclaim the heart and make it holy space, sacred and consecrated, set apart for God Himself. Because we are trying we are trying to move the enemy lines back, so to speak, to make room for the life of God, for the light of God, and for the heavenly cities and the treasuries of grace. There's a very real battle going on. And it all starts in the heart. And so with St. Mary, again, Many people say, like, I haven't sinned the way that she sinned. And I would say, that's probably true. But what's your heart like? You may not have acted the way that she acted, but what are the thoughts running through your head? It's hard to see the cobwebs in the corner of a dark room that has no light. And oftentimes when we say, I just don't have that sin. I don't have much sin. It's an indication that we need more light in that room. We need more light in the heart that the dark dragons have taken more space than we like. David says in the Psalms, Psalm 57, For in your heart ye work iniquity in the earth. Your hands weave unrighteousness. In your heart ye work iniquity. So, and Jesus himself says in Matthew chapter 12, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. So the battle starts in the heart. We have to drive out the darkness in the heart. In the Old Testament, God gave Moses the law and he led people on a path of righteousness with external behaviors and expectations. Do this, do that, don't touch this, right? Wash this way, etc., etc. But Christ comes, the Word of God takes flesh and dwells among us, and He comes 
And in Matthew chapters 5 through 7, he delivers to us the beautiful Sermon on the Mount. And what he does is he raises the bar, right? He says, yes, it is written, do not commit adultery. That's bad. But I say to you, do not lust in your heart. Right? He, he raises the bar and he turns our attention to the warfare in the heart because that's where the evil starts. Alexander Solzhenitsyn, he said, he has this great line. It says, the line of evil does not run through political boundaries or between countries, but it runs right through the human heart. So what do we do? What do we do? First, we have to acknowledge that there's more darkness in our heart than we can see, and we ask God to illumine us. The prayer that the priest reads quietly before the gospel reading says, Illumine our hearts, O Lord, who lovest mankind, with the pure light of thy divine knowledge. And open the eyes of our mind, the eyes of our heart, to the understanding of thy gospel teachings. So we ask God for light. Then we have to pursue that light. We read the scriptures. We pray. We come to church. We fill ourselves with good things. We also have to separate ourselves from the sin and the passion and the darkness that drags us down. So we have to run away from evil like St. Mary did. St. Mary could not live in the world anymore. She had 19 years of proof that she could not control herself around other people. So she had to get away. She did what was necessary for her, for her salvation. Just as Christ says, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Right? It's better to go into the kingdom of heaven maimed than to lose the kingdom of heaven because of your sin. So, St. Mary is our example of keeping a vow and of pursuing God with deep repentance and doing what was necessary to put away the evil from her so that she could be filled with the light of God. We have to do the same thing. Put away the evil, pursue light, pursue righteousness, read the scriptures, we fast, we pray, we give alms, we do good works, we come to church, we, we pray together, we strengthen ourselves, we have edifying fellowship. All these things are important. All these things help us fight the battle in the heart. And once we start on that path of righteousness, we also have to expect the suffering to come. And last week, I feel like I need to follow up on my homily from last week. Last week we heard about the very difficult chapter in the Ladder of Divine Ascent about the, the prison, the, the monastics who would go and like torture themselves almost, um, seeking God, seeking repentance. And, and again, people were saying, I don't understand. Like, am, am I not suffering enough? Am I supposed to ask for more? And I think I was able to reassure some people this week and say, don't worry, God has heaped enough on you. Right? You don't really have to look for suffering in this day and age. It will find you. But how you handle it will matter. 
And the state of your heart will determine how you handle that suffering. Right? And Christ says, he who endures to the end will be saved. And we have to handle our suffering with thanksgiving. As St. Paul said, I know how to be content and I know how to be abased. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He wasn't talking about winning football games. He was talking about handling every circumstance of life with thanksgiving and rejoicing. And this is what we must do. This is what Mary did of Egypt. This is what Mary of Egypt did. She went into the desert and she suffered. And she considered it to be a purgation for the sins that she had committed. And she asked God to forgive her. If you are prayerful, St. Paul promises, St. Paul promises that anybody who follows the Lord will suffer. So, if you're patient, the suffering will come. Don't worry. You don't have to go too far out of your way to find it. Okay? But what happens when we don't suffer is we often start taking God for granted and we think that we're responsible for all the good things we had. It's the Adam and Eve problem. Life was good in the garden and they kind of forgot about God. Right? When we suffer, our prayer becomes more acute and we have more of a dependence on God. This is why we thank God for our sufferings. And when we suffer, when we suffer, rest assured, we are doing war and we are battling with the dragons in the heart. So brothers and sisters, let us think about the example of Mary of Egypt. She is the um, foremost in the church of dragon slayers behind St. George, right? There's no dragon mentioned in her story. There is a lion though. Right? There's no dragon depicted in her icon, but she went into the depths of her heart and she tamed those wild beasts. We are called to do the same. We are called to repent and we are called to slay dragons. Remember, we are called to slay dragons, not keep them as pets. Okay? We have to be very careful when we start playing with fire. But let us turn to God with deep repentance. And let us renew our baptismal vows that we take. Remember at a baptism, when we're baptized, we align ourselves with Christ. Have you renounced Satan? Yes. Have you aligned yourself with Christ? I have. Do you accept Him as your King and God? What does the king provide for us? Protection, right? And we give the king obedience. What does God provide for us? Blessings. And we give him our heart. We take on at our baptism a vow that we will follow Christ to our dying day. And that we, when we don't love him with our whole being, we repent of that. And so let us renew our vows. Let us be repentant and let us pursue God with everything we have and give Him the fullness of our heart and leave no dark corner for the devil. 
And then we can be like David who says in Psalm 55, In me, O God, there be vows, which I will render in praise of Thee. May we all do the warfare that we are called to, and may God give us strength for this. And may He bless us and encourage us when we're downtrodden, but help us see the light of the kingdom which is to come, where we will praise and bless the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit now and ever and unto ages of ages. Amen. Amen. Christ is in our midst.